Church, what an incredible series this has been, transformed real gospel stories. There's such a diversity in the body of Christ. The gospel saves, delivers, sets free, and transforms by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul, he declared, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Russell Moss with us. He has been transformed by this gospel, by the gospel of Christ. Would you welcome Russell as he comes? I love this man. I'm a big fan of what Jesus is doing in this brother. Thank you, Harry. Love you. Amen. You got a little tiny water. You got to drink it with your pinky up. With tiny bottles. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, man. Good morning. All right. So uh, uh, we're going to preach from Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, page 617 in your pew Bible. <laughs> Look that up really quick just, just in case. Uh, my page number is, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm going to read off my notes. So, <laughs> Such an honor to be here. I'm really excited to be in this house. Um, this church has been such a, a partner with me in the gospel. In the book of Philippians, Paul says, I'm so grateful. I'm rejoicing in your partnership with me in the gospel. And Greece Assembly has been an awesome partner, an awesome friends. And uh, from this, this platform have come many great men of God that I'm not even worthy to tie their sandals and I get to preach from here. And so it's just, I just wanna honor the house and honor the leaders here who shepherd the flock with love and integrity and even more love. Yeah, so an honor, such a privilege again to be here. And uh, all my friends from work, if you're here, love you. Hey, Bree. <laughs> hey, Ken, good to see you. So happy you're here. My friends from uh, traveled uh, uh, a few hours to be here too. I'm so honored by your presence also. And uh, so thank you so much. You're probably there by now, so amen, right? Okay. Good morning. Yeah, I forgot to say that. Good morning to y'all. <laughs> so I like, yeah, many, many of you don't know that I'm a member here. Yeah, uh, um, so, but yeah, I don't know a lot of you because I've been uh, either I'm on a mission trip or traveling to different churches on Sunday. And so, and then I work nights. You guys don't hang out in the daytime, so... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, so I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, we're just gonna read the, the text. Ephesians 2, verses one through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walk, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once were, once lived, um, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love 
with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that you can boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in him. God bless the reading of your holy, infallible, undeniable, history-changing word. Father, I pray, God, that you would open up hearts to hear what the Spirit is speaking today, that you would open up our ears, God, to open up our eyes to behold you as, as, as the greatest treasure of our life. Father, I pray that you would uh, uh, pierce hearts today and encourage lives today, Lord. I, Father, I pray that you would just possess my mind and my mouth, Lord, that you would remove me far from this, God, and that through the preaching of your word, that you would be glorified and that you would be honored, God. Oh, Father, I pray for you to burn in our hearts, God, for more of you, a hunger and a thirst for you, God, that you would stir up thirsty hearts and hungry hearts, that you, God, would encourage the downcast, that you would encourage those who just want to quit today, God. Oh, Lord, that you would call people into your kingdom today, God, that you would do a great work today, Lord, through the foolishness of preaching. Father, we bless you. We give you this time <laughs> like you even need it. Bless you, Lord. Immortal, invisible, only wise God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. We have a serious problem. <laughs> yeah, we have a serious dilemma. Yeah, we're dead in our sins and trespasses. We are dead to God. Dead. Our sin separates us from a holy father, a holy God. Separated. And an even greater dilemma is that in our world today, people think that we're good. Well, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Eh, it's good for me. It doesn't hurt nobody. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. I, I got a job. I feed my kids. I go to work nine to five. I don't do drugs. I pay my taxes. Do you know Jesus? Well, then you're dead. Is Jesus Lord of your life? There's no middle ground with God. You're either dead or alive. And Paul says, and he says, you were dead and I was dead. And we're all dead in our sins and trespasses. No one is good. Romans 3, 10 through 18, really quick. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. 
all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their mouse, their, their, their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. <laughs> their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. Sound like the world? Well, I'm good. You're okay. I'm okay, right? Does that sound like the world? They have no fear of God at all. Man, we live in a world that doesn't fear God, that thinks they're good. Hearts filled with bitterness, anger, greed, murder, dripping snake venom. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a really weird image. Like, I had like three science fiction movies coming through my vision as I was talking about. <laughs> Where are you in that? Do you think you're good? The wages of sin is death. We are spiritually dead to God. In our sin, we get what we deserve, death. The Bible also calls it, this death is also called in scriptures as lost, blind, slave to sin, in the kingdom of darkness, hostile to God, enemies of God, enemies of the cross, dead in your sin and trespasses, child of wrath, child of the devil. Where are you? Where are you? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in your sins and trespasses in which you once walked following the course of the world. I'm okay, you're okay. I could do whatever I want. I'm my own God. Tell me what to do. Make you God. It's the world. Following the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. There is a spirit at work in the world today in this people who are not children of God, and it's the devil, the son of disobedience, daughter of disobedience, spirit of the power. We all follow that. We follow the world. We follow the devil, among whom we once all lived, following the passions of the flesh. I want, I want, I want. More, more, more. Sex, sex, sex. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Greed, greed, greed. Following the cravings of our mind. And by nature, children of wrath. I was dead in my sins and trespasses. Actually, I have a picture of what I used to look like when I was dead. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> yeah so, so that was me. I got, a, I got arrested uh, on a... LSD and moonshine in St. Pete, Florida. And I don't even know where I was. They said they found me cursing in the bushes, profanities. I was dead, lost, blind, wasted. I had a little more hair then. Though. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like Krusty the Clown. Right? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you guys know the Simpsons, right? Just want to lighten it up a little bit. That's a heavy intro. Yeah. God, God is serious, though, and I'm hoping to portray the, the fullness of God today. 
that he is a father, but he also is a righteous judge. Yeah, yeah, and you could get rid of that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's enough, right? <laughs> thank God for Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right, thank you for laughing at that. Uh, if I can't laugh at myself, who, you know, you can't either. Yeah. Oh, awesome. All right, I was dead in my sins and trespasses. All right now, I'm gonna tell you a story of death in my life. My father was in the Navy. My father was in the Navy, and we traveled around a lot. He was a Vietnam vet. I come from a military family. My grandfather fought World War II, fixed uh, planes that flew around planes, of course they fly around. And so he fixed air, they sailed around the planes. Uh, anyway, he fixed planes. My, my brother was in the military. He now works for the Secret Service or something like that. I don't talk to him much because he thinks I'm a security risk. <clears throat> Thank you. At least you're listening. <clears throat> All right, so so uh, my other brother was, did two tours in Iraq. And so I come from a strong militant family. And when I moved around every couple years, every two years, I was born in Tampa, Florida. I lived in Beaumont, Houston, New Orleans, Minneapolis, Jacksonville. Somehow I graduated high school in Mobile with a GED. And uh, uh, I got tired of moving. I was going to another school. I'm saying, I'm done. I'm checking out, Dad. I'm done with this. Not having a home, not knowing where I was from, feeling like a little kid just alienated. And, and through that, like I was always the new kid. I was always the kid nobody really wanted, and I always had to try to do stuff to fit in, and it was really difficult. And uh, plus, I had a traumatic shaming instance when I was a kid. Uh, I was uh, molested by my babysitter, and I was exposed to pornography. And it kind of just put this shame of not wanted, rejected, unwanted, broken, defiled, dirty, I'm sure some of you can relate. Some of you may even feel that way. Unwanted, broken, defiled, dirty, unworthy of love, unworthy of anything good. And so we traveled around. But when I was 15, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and my aunt invited me to go to this ministry conference. But before we went to the ministry concert, we went to this stand-up comedian uh, who was a used to be a satanic high priest and he, now he's a Christian and he was doing this evangelism. And I went to Carpenter's Home Church, Lakeland, Florida. And the, the, big, the big evangelist guy gave his altar call. I ran down to the altar at age 15 and I, and I gave my life to Jesus. And then he went in the back and I ran backstage and I jumped on his back and I gave him a big bear hug. And I said, thanks, person. I don't remember his name. And so... Uh, and then I ran, and then I went to that youth conference. They were talking about missions. It was uh, Ron Luce, Teen Mania. And they were challenging young people to give it all for Jesus and go to the nations. And I was 15. I didn't know anything. And they're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was 15 years old, and I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Right? Kind of like the Ephesians. We have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Who is this person? And so... Uh, but anyway, I encountered the Holy Spirit at age 15. I was filled with fire. And so I went back to my high school. I bought all the Jesus t-shirts. I had the Bible tracks. I brought my Bible to school and put it right on my desk. And then I quit the football team because they, they practiced on Wednesday night and I was gonna be in the youth group. So I like, see you later, dudes. 
I'm gonna go serve Jesus. And we were going into the, to the inner city of Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm 15 years old, knocking on project doors and inviting people. And I'm at ministering and evangelizing at Jacksonville Beach, Florida to skinheads. And I was bringing them back to my black Pentecostal church I was a part of. So that was really awkward. <laughs> I didn't know what a racist was. I just knew they needed to come to my church. Yeah, so they're in red suspenders and Doc Martens with shaved heads and half the congregation were African-American. And, and so I was causing a ruckus. I even, I was. And then one day my youth pastor said, we were going on a youth trip to do missions. And I was so excited. I felt the Lord maybe was doing that in my life. And I was 15 and the youth pastor brought me back. He says, we're not bringing you to Aruba. We're going to the Caribbean, tough mission field. So, uh, Thank you, I'm glad you laughed at that too. I'm gonna go to Aruba, support me, I'm gonna do missions, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's need in missions for Aruba, so I'm just joking. Some kind, scuba diving, ministry maybe. So, so I would sign up for that. Um, and, so I, and he said, Russell, we're not gonna take you on the mission trip. And my heart was broken. I was already shamed and rejected and didn't feel wanted and the people I've given up everything for said, we don't want you. We don't want you. I got mad. I remember uh, grabbing my Bible and my Bible tracts and going to the burn pit because we lived in the rural south and we burned our garbage. And so, and so I, uh, I burned my Bible and my Bible tracts. I said, God, I'll never serve you again. Four months later, I was dropped out of high school and on drugs. Maybe not that long, maybe like a year, year or so. It was rough. I backslid became angry, rejected, hurt, shamed, orphaned. Not even the church wanted me. I just wanted to be a part of. So I, I, I followed, I hitchhiked to California and followed the Grateful Dead around the country. Uh, so I, I just did drugs for about three years. I traveled, hitchhiked from Houston to California, learned how to do heroin and crystal meth and cocaine and shot drugs in my arm. And then when Jerry Garcia died, I joined the army. Yes, so I didn't know what to do with my life. It's all over, man. The strange, long trains trip is done, right? I was living in San Francisco on the streets of Haight-Ashbury, living in the park, 19 years old, eating LSD every day, every other day or whenever. It was just nuts. And then Jerry Garcia died, I joined the army. And I thought, oh, well, I just, you know, it's about time to grow up. And I, I come from a military family and I always wanted to be a soldier and jump out of planes and travel to exotic countries and learn about new cultures and then kill them. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's, what my, that's my drill sergeant's joke. And so that's not me. And so anyway, I, uh, I, I got in the army and I was good at my job, but I brought my drug habit with me. And I was, I was in a special reconnaissance unit, some military intelligence. I was a soldier, man. I was gonna jump out of planes. I was gonna be an airborne ranger. That was my goal, just to be an airborne ranger. And I was set on that path. I had my airborne school set up and I got arrested for dealing drugs in the military. Yeah, they didn't like that. Yeah, that's what I was like, ah. Yeah, it's like, ooh, ooh. That's what I felt. I was like, oh, come on, man. It's just the little drugs. You're not allowed to sell them. And so I was like, okay, thank you. And so, uh, and I was practically giving them away. I just wanted to have a good time. And so, um, I wasn't making any money or anything, but I was broken and then I was arrested. And my greatest dream to be a soldier, I was in prison. I got a general court martial. And then when I was in jail, I cried out to the Lord Jesus. 
And he said, uh, I cried out to the Lord. And I said, God, this is stupid. This is so stupid. I'm done with this. And I gave my life to Jesus again. And then um, I served a year in there and I served the Lord and I read the Bible every day. And then I, and I, the Lord, I said, hey, son, hey, you remember, you remember that uh, dream you had to be a missionary? You wanna do that? I said, yeah, that sounds really good. And so I started developing that missional call in prison. And then when I got out of prison, I joined Youth with a Mission, YWAM. And I went to Fiji, I went to the discipleship school. And then I came back from there and then I moved to Florida because I went from prison to the mission field. I needed to be a part of a church somewhere, right? So that was important. So I went to Tampa, Florida, joined a church and things were going good. I was on staff, we were in the middle of revival during the 90s in Florida. So there was huge revival going on. We had the overflow of that in our church. And I was in revival, it was crazy. I didn't know anything about anything was going on, but I just knew God was there and I was being changed and transformed and called and, and uh, but I backslid. I decided to hang out with some friends that were stupid and do stupid stuff, chasing women again. And then shame, alienation, rejection came in and I just left. I just left. I said, I can't do this, God. I can't do this. I can't do one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. Yeah, I've never been lukewarm at anything. I'm gonna be a radical sinner or I'm gonna be a radical disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so God, I think God's kept me uh, sane though. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like I'm in a straight jacket now. Uh, I'm just kidding, it's a nice uh, suit. So anyway, I, um, <laughs> so, where was I? so anyway, um, and so I, for 15 years, I ran from the call of God. I ran from the purposes of God. And I ended up in New York City. I ended up in New York City uh, somehow, some way. Uh, um, ended up in New York and had a scholarship to be a writer. I wanted to be a writer, right? To write beautiful poems, to write beautiful stories. But, but I really just liked the idea of being a writer so I could get drunk and do drugs all day and hang out in bars like Ernest Hemingway But he was a good writer, though. That guy was a brilliant writer. I really emulated Jack Kerouac on the road. I just like being a bohemian. I just like being, uh, you know, free and, you know, just want to do whatever I want when I want to do it. But basically, I was just a homeless, broken drug addict. Uh, And uh, I spent five years in New York City um, living in homeless shelters, living on subways, uh, smoking crack cocaine, shooting heroin, Lost my scholarship. I worked in some of the finest restaurants for, in New York City. I wanted to be a chef. I had all these dreams, these dreams that God had always put in me and just pursuing my heart and I couldn't do it. Shame, fear, rejection, alienation, unwanted. You're nobody, no one loves you, die. I was taking psych meds. Uh, I, was, uh, a host- I had uh, three psychiatric insti- uh, mental vacations. And, uh, yeah. and it was nice because I was off the streets for like a month or three weeks, you know, six suicide attempts. I was just lost, broken, blind, dead in my sins and trespasses, just like the rest of us. But God, but God, but God, I remember I was in a homeless shelter in Queens, New York, and this ministry called Teen Challenge came by. 
And I was just, got, I was just in a rehab, and I, I punched a guy in the face because he wouldn't give me the mayonnaise. Yeah, and he was just, I was so mad. And like, uh, I didn't even finish my sandwich before I got thrown out of there. <sighs> I didn't know where to go. I didn't want to go to the street. I didn't want to be homeless anymore. I didn't want to be a drug addict anymore. So I went to this 21-day homeless shelter in Queens. And Teen Challenge came. And I was so mad. I'm like, God, I can't, I'm never going to do this with you again. I'm not going to do this with you. But nobody else in all of New York City would take me. And I had Medicaid. So, uh, 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 so I'm just like, no, not even the hospitals would take the state's money at that point. And so I was like, I was done. I said, so I didn't want to go back to the streets. Teen Challenge was offering me three hots and a cot. And it was wintertime. Yeah, and so I said, I'll go to Teen Challenge. I don't care. So I went to Teen Challenge, and that first week, we heard the preacher last week, Jimmy Jack, and he, I went to his church, and I had uh, the altar call, and then uh, they had a revival, Pentecostal, Holy Spirit night, and I'm like, oh, God, not anything, not the Holy Spirit again. Can't I just do, like, some therapy or something, or can I just sit in a room and talk about my problems? And so, so we went to his church, and he gave the altar call, come receive the Holy Spirit. And so I went down there to that altar and I said, okay, God, I'll give you one more chance. I'll give you one more shot. And I was a backslidden, call of God, child of God, and hated myself, hated you if you would even talk to me. And I went down there and that man stepped down from the, stepped down, laid his hands on me and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit came upon me and I was burning in my chest. I was sweating. I was crying snot. <laughs> yeah, you ever done that? Just snot bubbles and cry and tears. And I was trembling and shaking under the power of God. And I fell on my face and I began to cry out to God, Lord, forgive me. God have mercy on me. But God who is rich in mercy because of the great love of which he loved us made me alive together with Christ, and he seated me high above any other power. He seated me above my rejection. He seated me above my shame. He seated me above my addiction. But God, but God, who is rich and crazy rich, abundant Donald Trump kind of rich mercy. That dude's rich, by the way. Not as rich as our father. Nothing compares to that. Hold on. I was dead, addicted to crack and heroin, manically depressed, mental hospitals, homeless, suicidal, hopeless. But God, but God, even when I was dead and gave him the finger every day, he said, I'll take that one. I'll take you, I'll take you, that's grace, that's grace, I didn't deserve it, I deserve wrath, but he said, nah, time out, I'll take that one, I want you, that's the grace of God, it's a gift of God, for by grace you have been saved, and this ain't of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that anyone can boast, why does God do it? Why does God do that? Look at verse seven. 
so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of grace of, of his grace in kindness towards us. That word show, it means exhibit A in a legal, in a legal battle. Evidence that God is real, exhibit A. I take enemies and look at my grace, look what it does. God saves us for his own glory. God makes us into trophies of grace to put in his display cabinet of the universe so every principality and dark force and the world and naysayers and God-haters will see. God goes, aha! Exhibit A. What's up? Boom, drop the mic. That's God. So that, so that. Why does he do it? And raised us up and seated with him in heavenly places so that in the coming ages, for all of eternity, to everything that has breath, he can show, look what I did. Praise the glory of his grace. The idea, okay. Ephesians 2.10, why does he transform us? Let's look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Yeah, God, God, we're dead, we're enemies. And God say, I'm gonna transform you, gonna lavish my grace upon you because I'm so good and I can do it because I'm God. You can't tell me anything. He sits in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Man, that is sovereign. That's a holy God. But this God who is so rich in mercy because of the great love, he said, I'm gonna create a destiny for you. Transformed for destiny. We're not transformed to sit around and play hopscotch and video games and watch Netflix and waste our life. We're we're transformed for good works. Maybe you're transformed just to enjoy God. That's a good work. Sometimes you're transformed just to show the world, aha, exhibit A, B, C, D, infinity into the ends of the age. Millions of exhibits. It's the fool that says there is no God. For we are his workmanship, transformed for purpose. What is your purpose? What is your dream? What is your destiny? I was 15 years old when I plugged into the Holy Spirit and God planted a seed of being a missionary. I'm 42 years old and I'm going to Turkey in August. (laughs) Yeah, like wow. I'm going to Muslims to preach the gospel, the gospel of reconciliation, that Jesus Christ is Lord and every other God is a worthless idol. Our God reigns. The gospel saves and Jesus Christ is alive. I'm gonna read one more thing in in closing here. Two more things. Workmanship. Workmanship. That word is poema, poem. You're God's poem. You're his love story. Yeah, your life, your exhibit, your destiny, your good works, which God created beforehand. Hold on. 
I'll start talking with my water bottle and slinging it around. <laughs> Just baptizing people here. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, and so uh, I love our Catholic brothers, man. I really do. And so uh, if you ever read any of their classic works, man, uh, Brother Lawrence, practice the presence of God, change your world. Amen. So continuing on. Workmanship. You are his workmanship poema. You're his love poem. You're his masterpiece in some translations. In the Jerusalem Bible, you're his work of art. And we see the Father in Luke 15, very briefly. A man had two sons. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my money. I want my share of the goods, dad. I want your estate. Give it to me now before you die. So his father agreed, divided his wealth between his son and gave it to him. A few days later, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there, this younger son wasted all his money, wasted his inheritance, wasted his birthright, wasted his life on partying, drugs, women, fast cars, big houses on self. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve to death. He persuaded a local farmer, hey man, can I need a job? I'm gonna die. <laughs> I begged people just to carry shingles up a roof so I could get 20 bucks to get a fix. <laughs> it's a miserable job roofing. God bless you if you do it. <laughs> God, my shoulder hurts thinking about it. Oh, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. You can slop hogs, boy. You can feed the pigs. You got to walk in that stall and you're covered in pig slop. And you're just covered in pig's filth, excrement, crap. (laughs) And he's starving. And he's starving. He's wasted everything. He's wasted his life on nothing. (laughs) On a good time. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and then picked up verse 16. The young man became so hungry that even the pig sloth looked delicious. Looked like ribeye steaks, I don't know. I can't. Even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When you're in the world and you're alone, no one cares. The world don't care about you. All they wanna do is enslave you enslave you to your own desire, to your own addictions. But my God is an emancipator. My God's a liberator. He frees captives. He sets hearts free. He transforms lives because of his great love. And we see the Father's heart of love right here, continuing on. When he finally came to his senses, (laughs) come to your senses today. Wake up! Wake up! God is calling. The Spirit is calling. 
come, the Lord would say. Oh, come to my banqueting table. Come, I got a feast I'm going to prepare for you. Oh, it's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be in front of your enemies and the devil and the world and your own shame are going to be like, boom, destroyed, obliterated before the presence of the Most High God. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, self? At home, even the hired servants have found enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. Even your slaves, God, have more food than me. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you. He repented in his heart. I've sinned against you, Father. And what? And I'm no longer worthy. I'm not worth anything, God. If I could just come back home and maybe you'll let me cut the grass. And maybe I could just eat the scraps off your table, God. But God, I want to come home. And so he returned home to his father. And while the son was still a long, long way off. Hear the father, hear the heart of your father. (laughs) And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. There he is. Wow. There's my boy, he's coming home. Filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his son. Boy, boy, it's really you. It's really you. Where have you been? Where have you been? And he falls on his son and his heart's pounding for his son. Oh, son, oh, I pick, he swings him up. He sets him down. Get him a robe. Get him a new suit. Get him some Jordans. Get him a ring. Oh, I got so much for you. I've been longing for you. I've been longing for you. Where's my son? But Father, but Father, look what I did. I'm covered in pig slop. And even while the son was covered in pig slop, the father still picks him up. I love your pig slop. But no, here's a robe, fresh covering up of the pig slop. The blood of Jesus Christ covers our pig slop. The love of God covers our pig slop. The mercy of God covers our pig slop. Oh, and the Father, he just, and we get this picture of the Father in Zephaniah 317. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you. With his love, he will calm you. With his love, he will calm you. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That word rejoice means to dance, to sing the love songs of heaven over you. God is singing over you. God is singing a love song. He's writing a love poem. He's writing a love story so you could be his work of art and you could be exhibit A and the trophy case, a trophy of grace for all eternity. This is the love of the Father, but God, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, abounding in steadfast love. Oh, God is gracious and compassionate, slow, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love for all who call upon him. And he picks up the son, pig slop, shame, addiction, and I was that son. Where are you at? Are you that son today? 
Or you feel like God can't love me. I'm covered in pig slop. Oh, and maybe you're a believer and you know Jesus and you feel like you've been caught in a pig slop situation. But God is longing for you. God is looking for you. He wants to sing his love songs all over you. My son and daughter, I love you. You are so beautiful to me. (laughs) You are so beautiful to me, God. And we're in a cosmic love affair with a holy judge and a loving father. He is so good. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Oh, and he wants to pick you up today. And he wants to dance with you, my son or my daughter. And sing, I love you. I'm so glad you're home. Let's throw a party. We'll kill the fatted calf. We'll have prime rib and caviar and lobster. Here's a robe. Here's a ring. I'm so glad you're home. I love you. I love you. And he dances and he sings over you. And he invites you today. What does love look like? It looks like a singing, lovesick God. It looks like Jesus Christ. It looks like Jesus, the visible image of the visible God. The fullness of God dwelt in Jesus Christ. And it says in the book of Hebrews 1, verse three-ish, it says this, and Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. When you see Jesus, you see God. You want to know what love looks like? It looks like Jesus. And Jesus, God, in 1 John, it says, uh, what manner of love is this? That we should be called children of God. Oh, why even I was dead in my sins. God demonstrated his love to while I was still a sinner and an addict. Christ died for me. You want to know what love looks like? It looks like Jesus Christ who holds all things together by the power of his word and the same hands that made the universe are the same hands that allowed sinful men to nail it to the cross. The creator, God, being killed by his creation. We, the world hates God can't love the world and love God. (laughs) And that's the God we serve that came, took on flesh, walked this world, taught men how to love, taught men what grace was, showed men the Father. He was the fullness of grace and truth. He's such a good God. And I'm calling you today, if you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you're a backslidden son or daughter, Maybe you just feel so shameful. God could never do anything with you. Look what he did with me. I'm walking in destiny. I'm walking in relationship with God because I'm his masterpiece. (laughs) So good, so good. I wanna invite you right here. We could all stand. We're gonna give two invitations. One invitation, come over here. If you feel that you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ, or you feel like you're just a backslider, you wanna give your life to God, come on over here. And the rest of us, I don't feel very transformed. I don't feel like this, I don't hear the love songs of God. I don't hear his song over me, but I want to. 
I want to. Oh God, where are you? I'm in the pig slop. I'm in the pig pen. And here's what I'm gonna challenge you with, one verse. Somewhere here. (laughs) Somewhere here, all right. Revelations 2, 3. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me like you used to. Oh, what happened? What happened? Look how far you've fallen. Repent and turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But this is in your favor. You hate evil deeds, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying. God, we get so busy. We get tired, oh weary saints. Your heart becomes calloused. You let the world and the the garbage of the world contaminate our hearts. We let things get in the way of first love, whatever that is, family sometimes maybe, career, job, busyness. I got all this stuff to do, God, I don't know where you are. And I've been there, I've been there in my walk at Destiny before. Full-time student, full-time job, full-time missionary. I gotta study and I gotta pray. I'm just broke out, God, my love, my heart gets calloused. And we come to God and we repent. Repent and return to first love. Oh, repentance is a beautiful thing. (laughs) It's the first step into intimacy with God. And God wants you to hear his love song. I got a love song for you. Repent, he calls you. Get rid of those things. Fresh consecration. You want fresh life, fresh fire, fresh love in your heart. Come down here. We're just gonna pray for you. If you're tired and weary and want more of God, give more of yourself to him. That's how you get more of God. Let him possess your heart. Let him possess your mind. Let his love. And then when you start to fall in love with God, you see the father's heart. And the the greatest evidence of you being a child of God is not coming to church or, is that do you love Jesus Christ with all of your heart? Is he the greatest treasure of your heart? Is he the greatest treasure of your life? Oh, and all the other treasures are just trinkets, stupid glitter in the hands of people. And I wanna invite you to come. Come, renew your vows before the Lord. Get rid of, repent of all the things that maybe you've said yes to and you've said no to God. Return to your first love. Come hear the love song of a father. (laughs) I love singing to God. I love hearing his love songs. It's for everybody, it's not for me. These altars are open. I'm gonna pray. Father, bless this, Lord. Thank you for being such a good God. Thank you for being our father. Lord, thank you for embracing us even with pig slop and shame and guilt. Thank you for transformed lives. I pray, God, that you would stir up the seeds of destiny in people's hearts, that they would know you, that they would know what their purpose is, God. Oh, Lord, bless your name. Bless your name. We love what you do, God. We love being your trophies of grace. We love being your workmanship. Work in our lives, God. 
work in our hearts. <laughs> I love you so much. You make me so happy. I love serving you, God. Put that in people's hearts, Lord. You're such an amazing father. You're an amazing father. In Jesus' name.